it is plain porn. Like, it's just planes taken off. It's them getting them ready and them taken off and all these, like, sexy ropes. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to the Danger Zone. I have a need, a need for speed. This is The Recommendation Game, a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch them, and then we talk about them. Uh, my name is Orla McNeilis. I am joined by my co-pilot, Ricardo Deacon. My wingman, goddammit. Wingman. Ah! This week's film is Top Gun Maverick 2022. 30 plus years of service. Combat medals, citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. What is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would grind him. Joining a detachment of graduates for a special assignment, Maverick must confront the ghosts of his past and his deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who chose to fly it. <laughs> the film was directed by Joseph Kosinski, a screenplay by Aaron? I guess Aaron Kruger? It's a weird way of spelling that. <laughs> Eric Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie. Story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks. Based on characters by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie and David Ellison. Starring First Time Offender? Is it? I think so. Jesus Christ, I'm very surprised. Yeah. No, we did Born on the 4th of July. Oh my god oh my god okay so it's been it's been like six years yeah because <laughs> that was our like fourth or fifth episode or something like that yeah i think it was fourth episode because your first pick was uh miyazaki yeah the, the holy wind rises, fucking yeah. moly holy fucking moly <laughs> starring second time offender tom cruise uh First time offender Miles Ter Teller, I'm thinking. Um, Jennifer Connolly, John Hamm. Second time offender Glenn Powell. Lewis Pullman, Ed Harris and Val Kilmer. Cinematography by Claudio Miranda. Edited by Eddie Hamilton. And music by Harold Faltermeyer, Lady Gaga and Hans Zimmer. The least Hans Zimmer of all the Hans Zimmer scores, I have to say. Um, I think that synopsis is actually taken from Rotten Tomatoes. That probably explains it. Where it has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 99% audience score. How could anyone dislike this movie? Ricardo, why did you pick it? 
Well, I, I hope that that's not like some kind of hint about how could anybody dislike this movie because you disliked it. But let's put a pin on that. Uh, I didn't even <laughs> look at your webcam there to see your reaction. So I'll remain uh, in uh, uh, without knowing uh, what you think of the movie while I say why I picked it. Like, um, very uh, w- um, not strange bit of trivia and stuff, but I found out through this movie that uh sequels or anything based with any characters that have shown up in other movies cannot win the oscar for best original screenplay uh even that's why this was nominated for best adapted screenplay because uh oh i suppose that makes sense yeah because you don't the rules originated like the characters themselves in the movie. I think it's uh, to protect like did your whoever created the characters as a writer originally. Yeah. Uh, so this movie was nominated for the Academy Awards for Best Adapted Screenplay, and I think that is very apt there. Uh, the, the it is the case. I think that it's surprisingly good script. Like you know, you have loads of uh, movies that are made. This, uh, these years that are uh, legacy sequels or uh, remakes or all these things mm-hmm. of using existing IPs. I think that the two that were able to actually lean on to what worked on the original is the first Creed movie. And mm-hmm. this, uh, but this has like in a way more complicated material to deal with than Creed did for to begin with, like Rocky has existed over the the years, like there's been loads of sequels and stuff like that. So obviously the the idea of the character is more pen, uh, more existing in people's minds, let's say, than Top Gun. It's been like thirty years the, since the this film was made, uh, that the original was made, <clears throat> and but also like it's. We often talk about how uh, sometimes movies are, uh, the screenplays are just good boilerplate Hollywood screenwriting. And this is the clear example how to do it. Like you can almost put an algorithm to make this mm. fucking screenplay. It hits all the notes. But I think that the, mo- the smartest decision of this movie, which the original doesn't have, uh, is setting up the mission at the end because the original movie like this to begin with like to be clear this is so much better than the the original Top Gun uh, not only like because of the way that it's made and uh, having all the actors being in the existing cockpits and stuff like that it does add quite a lot to the immersion of the film and the like really like the obsession to using practical effects really adds to the actual to the actual action scenes that uh, makes them visceral in a way that just having CGI fights like in some Marvel movies and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 because it's set in the real world. You can see like the G-forces in the people's face. You can see how the air moves around the plane. The plane vibrates because of like resistance. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to uh, replicate that in a computer. But the screenplay behaves like if it is a sports movie and i think that that's like such a good decision to make because sports movies are what hollywood does best because it is what you there's a 
simple setup. It's very easy then to use uh, the the theme or the mission or the the match to create conflict within the team to characterize characters and stuff like that. And I think that the the screenplay itself it's like uh, uh, good uh, since I'm talking about it. It's uh, worthwhile to point out that it was written uh, first like to just have as a spec script to bring Tom Cruise on board so he knew what he was getting into like the Brokenheimer the the producer and the director like the director did um, Oblivion with Tom Cruise so like he had a certain uh, oh snore so like he had already like a relationship with that director um but the thing is that the part of the reason that the director got picked to do this movie is because he's by trade an engineer and they had to develop actual like uh, equipment to be able to fit on the planes that would be able to shoot back without like compromising the actual integrity of the plane as well so mm. uh but the then the second draft was to to get the the script where it needed to be but then uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who has done the last few Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise, mm, he yeah. punched up the script as a last uh, draft after the actors were cast. So he kind of made sure that the characters were really based on, like would really play off each other based on the cast that they had. And I think that it is uh, very successful at doing that uh, it's surprising because you know the beats as you're watching the movie. You know the beats that are going to hit. And part of it is the performances uh, that uh, <laughs> they sell it. Even like fucking Val Kilmer kills it on his one scene. Like, And it's very sad because he actually has the... the, the uh, hit. I didn't know that. And also like that in that scene, they didn't know... Like he ad-libbed. Like they told him not to speak, and he could only do it in one take because it hurt him so much to to say those words. Aww. And uh, that's why, like Tom Cruise, breaks down in that scene because he realizes what Aww. Val Kilmer's doing. But also, it's like uh, I'm getting chills. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what that. this movie fucking does, man. But the thing is that <laughs> even like uh, the the decision to cast somebody that is age appropriate for Tom Cruise uh, in Jennifer Connelly, but also given her like enough to do as a character that she's not just there. She has her own life and the movie does a very good job of kind of inserting Tom Cruise's character like uh, uh, Maverick into her life rather than her being chasing him kind of thing. The same way that, it makes the it fixes the mistakes of the first movie to a certain degree because even like they they shot her like they shot him in the first movie she's the one that gets the shot next to the car she's the cool one in the boat kind of thing you know they they made the decision <laughs> of but of making her cool rather than sexy in a way but in a way like you know it is sexy to be cool but they don't sexualize her to a certain degree but also like the what they talk about when it comes to life and love and like growing older and having kids and everything else like the script is far better than it needs to be so like it, it kind of elevated because even the way about how like you have to give space 
to for your kids to make their own mistakes but then you have the subtext that she also gave maverick the space for him to make his own mistakes <laughs> and now he has like the option to be back but also that she knows that it, like about his mistakes so she's giving him the room to make another mistake and leave but so she won't be hurt kind of thing so it's it's very clear but it also layers man yeah but it also adds layers. to the car- like the the, <clears throat> the actual story altogether the, a lot of the times whenever you have a love of uh, love uh, a love interest in a movie like this it just feels bolted on as a separate plot but because it really talks about like maverick aging and it kind of mirrors what he's doing in the other side because he's being a parent to uh goose's son so like there's layers in a way that again it's far better than it needs to be and then it has to be said that the the trench run whenever maverick uh does the 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 effort uh to show that they can do it again the screenplay really sells it because John Hamm's character says to to Maverick, the only thing you have shown them is that this is impossible to do. And then he goes and shows them how to do it. So you have the pay the setup and the payoff. But that scene I think was the best scene of last year. And I would go as far as saying that Top Gun Maverick was my favorite movie of twenty twenty two. Like non-ironically, non not like I watch a lot of like art house movies and everything else. I like like I loved like Decision to Leave. I loved like so many other movies, but Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I think as a movie, it, it does. We talk a lot about judging films for what they are. A lot of the time in this podcast, you, you don't compare it and contrast because it's like what they're doing and what they're intending to do and as pure entertainment which is the objective of top gun maverick there's only two objectives for top gun maverick one is to entertain the audience and two is to increase uh volunteers to the navy (laughs) and it's very successful on those two fronts I love America. I love American military. I want to join it. I want to bomb the shit out of some nondescript country that is like, yeah, it doesn't matter the who enemy. they are. The enemy. The enemy, Ricardo. Again, like the it, enemy is big. The enemy is strong. It is the uh, something that is also present on the original movie. So uh, this enemy country, you never know. Also, I have to say that the best thing that the script does is not make you sit down and do the math because there's no way the Miles Teller is the age that he is based at like Goose like that kid was like born in 1980 <laughs> like Goose should be in his like late 40s like sorry not Goose uh, Miles Teller's Rooster. character should be Rooster yeah. yeah Rooster should be in his like late 40s how do we know how do we know that he was born in 19... 19- oh, because he's, of the original... he, he is in the first movie. Like, they, oh. you're told that he was, like, six years old in the first movie. The, the first movie is from oh, 1987. Okay. But this movie also makes a point of saying that they're, like, th- that they're... It's nowadays, that it's in the present, because uh, they <laughs> yeah. mentioned, like, the F-35 fighter that only came online a few years ago. So, at most, Rooster should be in his 40s. At least, 
He's looking good for it. He's got that same whatever tonic that Tom Cruise is on. He's got the same. Well, like the script does kind of like do an effort of going like that. He sh- that he the Maverick uh, set him back set him back four, four years, years because of pulling the record. So in a way, it, but it, that is more to have Miles Teller, who's like four years older than all the other actors, be able to be there. You know what I mean? Like a, as a graduate of the same class or whatever. But yeah, like I think that this is a stupendous movie, and I think that the, from the very, stupendous. the very beginning, the very first shot that is the aircraft carrier, and the music of the original movie, and you go, okay, they got it, because so many of these fucking uh, legacy sequels or remakes or whatever, they take forever to like kind of give you the the hit of nostalgia that you need that is like okay we're gonna wait until tom cruise is in the plane like an hour into the movie and then we'll like remind you remember remember that other movie whatever like i think that this does the good job of like oh remember that other movie yeah you're you're in it you know you have the first 20 minutes you have aircraft carrier poor movie that it, like you know it's shot like a porno like an ad but like, it is ludicrous it is just it is plain porn yeah, like airplane it's porn, just planes yeah. taking off it's them getting them ready and them taking off and all these like sexy ropes so you, you, <laughs> like, you have that start and then like five minutes later you have tom cruise riding his motorcycle without a helmet uh looking at planes taking off that's why you came to like that's why you bought the ticket for that's why you came to see and then it's like the movie goes okay th- that's what you wanted there you go now focus on the movie that is like in on this movie and it does a very good job of linking like the stuff with Iceman and goose it d- never feels completely forced because it makes sense within the 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 universe that the the film exists in that of course goose would be um the like uh, a navy pilot as well of course like whenever you history, grow you mean. the <clears throat> history will repeat itself of course that uh, uh, P. Maverick Mitchell hasn't gone past uh, the being a captain or whatever but even like every every fucking like because this does a good job as well having like every single character in the movie has a certain character arc and they all go exactly where you think that they're gonna go, but it's so satisfying because it's like you know when there somebody writes a perfect pop music pop song, so you sit there mm. and listen to it for the first time, and there's no surprises. <clears throat> you know, oh, and immediately becomes an earworm because you're not trying to understand it. It's just there. You you know Hitting it. Hitting all the right notes. exactly, and I, I think this movie does that and. But at the same time, like uh, uh, on a rewatch, it it does it so not mechanically. It does it so with so much gusto that everybody you can tell that everybody gusto. really wants to be making this movie. That it it makes it very enjoyable and the pace like for like the movie is not exactly short, but the the pace is tremendous and structure wise, like the having them talk about like the the mission at the end. For so long during the the build up, it saves the movie having to explain. It doesn't have to explain to you what's happening during that mission, so it can mm. just go fucking balls to the wall and just 
do a 100% action because you know exactly what each person is doing. And you think that with the buildup that the, the action scene that the end is going to have and all these amazing action scenes before that there's no way that the ending is going to live up to what came before. And I think it does a really good job of living up to the, the you know, like there's a lot, you know, to go back to the postman whenever they run out of budget and you have like two lads fist fighting in slow motion for at the end of the movie. This this didn't do that this this like saved the best action to the end of the movie which is like as i was watching the first time i was like there's no way that like it's gonna be uh, a satisfying climax to all of this and it is and i watched this movie with a like uh, a big grin on my face throughout like i think it's like the the comedic beats like are hit and whatever and for Whatever you say about Tom Cruise as a person, like I, I'm sure that we said the same in Born of Fourth of July. It is pretty funny that the, these are the two movies that we have about Tom Cruise, like the most anti-American military movie made, which is Born of the Fourth of July. And then people change, people change. You know, your priorities change. You get older, you have a mortgage. <laughs> well, like I, I, I don't think that Tom Cruise has a mortgage. Like he has a like a church to feed, I suppose, rather than anything else. But um, good God! Uh, on that note, I've been going on for a bit. So, uh, Orla, what did you think of Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> First of all, I have never seen you this enthusiastic. I don't think. Um, oh, I love this movie. I had a yes. great time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a film that made probably is still making money but to this date has made 1.488 billion dollars which makes it the 12th highest grossing film of all time only i think uh furious 7 just uh sneaked into the 10, 11th spot so there you go um <laughs> I think um, there's one person I thought of a lot while watching this, and um, that person is Kevin Costner, <laughs> because it would be very wrong to not mention a modern classic that we have done for the podcast, and uh, that film is The Guardian. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's following a lot of the same beats. Uh, it just doesn't have like a ghost fish, uh, <laughs> ghost fish Kevin Costner. Um, I think. I think my biggest regret is that I didn't see this in the cinema. Um, like whenever I was googling it earlier, it uh, it popped up that it's actually showing in Burlington, which is very far away. But I'm like, would I make the pilgrimage to Burlington just to watch this movie in the cinema? Uh, like in a cinema where your ears kind of hurt because the soundtrack is so loud. Um, yeah, you know, like it was. It was like I watched this last night on my very large television, and um, I had a good version of it and stuff. So it still it still hits, but it's not the same because you know that feeling um and there's something very magical about it whenever like a film ends and like the lights come up and you know it's something that ends really energetically and you're all pumped you know and then you walk out into the real world and you're walking like you have a soundtrack and you're like talking to the people you saw the movie with and you know you just feel really alive you know that feeling i was like damn i really missed out on that with this film straight into the recruitment office 
<laughs> I've already got my papers. Um, yeah, like <laughs> I was gonna say, I was. I would also imagine that uh, seeing this film in a cinema full of people would be great as well, just to get, get the. Because I mean, the amount of just me going, <laughs> like the amount of times I laughed. I mean, down to like the fact that the. Um, <laughs> The place where the military base where they train is, it's called like Fighter Town or something. Like Fighter Town, USA. It's like, it's the dumbest film. And um, no, wait, 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 wait. That, that is not a joke. That is actually the ta- name of the place where oh. uh, the, the San Diego naval base where the Top Gun exists. Like Top Gun is not, like the Top Gun program is not made up. They called it Top Gun. Yeah. IRL. Yeah. Fuck me. Are you serious? <laughs> I remember when Team America World Police came out and everyone was like, this is such a biting satire. And I'm like, God, we were fools. This is like the easiest target target enemy in but the history it, of mankind. <laughs> like, technically called United States Navy Strike Fighter Tactics, Tactics Instructor Program. But it is uh, commonly known as Top Gun. Wow. Good God. You know that like all the, the, all the people who like work at that base and that like trade at that base are probably in the background of this film, similar to The Guardian. I was just thinking that whenever I was watching um like the incredibly sexual intro. Um, I was like, they're definitely just like the real fighter jet crew people or whatever. But um. Uh, although I can't remember to, I don't think I watched the credits so I don't know if it said like and thank you to the brave men and women of the like US Navy I'm sure it says that in some, there somewhere but um, <laughs> I did <laughs> the intro just like tells you everything you need to know as well you are you really are very situated in like what the tone of the thing is going to be and like I don't think I've actually seen the original but I've like seen enough clips of it that I feel familiar enough and I remember like when this came out one of the things people said about that film was that it's very hard to tell what's going on when they're actually flying because the effects are really shit um which is like what you said about the end uh mission it really is like you're never confused as to what's going on which is like definitely preferable to any marvel movie like the very few of them that i have seen and how everything just sort of devolves into the same sort of big smashy grabby fight at the end um and it's like just sort of boring i mean i don't think i was ever in any doubt that they were gonna like succeed in the mission but that didn't mean that it wasn't very tense because like each character was so uh like well drawn at that point with their little idiosyncrasies uh, that you knew at each point if this person didn't do that, that was going to be really bad. Um, there was <laughs> there's at one point though, well, no, Rooster hasn't yet, you know, g- built up the courage to don't think, just do. And uh, <laughs> a thing I will be saying to myself at every point of my life now, um, with I'm sure only good consequences. Um, <laughs> but so Rooster's like, you know, panicking and clearly falling behind and they keep cutting back to the like uh, little animation. Um, and your man, uh, the guy on the ground with the glasses, is he like a flight commander or something? I, I don't know, but they're all like in the, in the room where they watch them doing their missions. And <laughs> I'm so up in my 
tactical lingo. And he says, oh, come on, rooster, move it or lose it. I was like, yeah, his life. <laughs> but rooster does and makes up time. Well, like, but at the same time, the movie does do a good job of uh, saying that if you go slow, you're still going to die because of the, the yeah. chest that were sc- scrambled kind of thing. So yeah. it's not like... Uh, no, no, I, I you can I, take I, it easy, kind of thing. I, I get, I get the point. It was just this delivery of the line is so funny, and the, the way of phrasing it, like you know, as opposed to like rooster, you need to fucking move. It's like move it or lose it, <laughs> you know, as if someone's taking your chair in the cafeteria or something. Um, was it Hondo that it, that says it or Hondo? Yes, Hondo. Uh, I don't know what Hondo's actual title is. Sorry, Hondo. Um, but uh... <laughs> okay, we need to. <laughs> we need to address some issues because there are like a few nitpicks that i have they're not very big but they just sort of bugged me as i was watching it i was like oh come on now lads um i have i have a lot of questions about jennifer connelly so she's in the original film yes no oh okay uh, Kelly right. McGillis is the the love interest on the the oh. first movie, but also the first movie is very dodgy because Kelly McGillis is an instructor in Top Gun, so she's like technically like oh. Maverick's teacher, and like Tom Cruise just keeps like fucking crossing the line like on lifts oh. and stuff like that. So, oh, that's so eighties. How fun! Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, that sort of explains more because I think the thing is like I'll say about their relationship is that they're able to instill the feeling that these characters have a past very well like I believe that part of it absolutely what I don't believe is that these people have any chemistry whatsoever it is like it is minus chemistry (laughs) like I think like I thought that the chemistry was there whenever they're like talking and stuff like that but uh, it has to be said that the the scene where they're lying in bed together is one of the most awkwardly shot things i've ever seen like it the is... way that like tom cruise is like in the bed without his shirt i don't know like who like has he ever laid in a bed with another person or uh, also uh, like uh, the, the, there were too many pillows nobody has sex <laughs> with that uh, that many pillows you know like pillows you take get them moved they fall yeah. off the bed like let's be realistic like <laughs> i it just like it was the kind of scene where you could almost like feel the like actors contracts waving in the background or something i don't know it's just and what bothered me about it is that like i'm not so many things that you have to have sex scenes or you you have to have a lot of like physical contact for people to have chemistry that is absolutely not true at all we have done the number one film that proves that which is in the mood for love um just like chemistry through looking at someone you know and it's just there's there's I, and like these are characters, these are actors that have chemistry with people. I've seen them spark off people. That's the thing. Like even with like weird rubbery Tom Cruise, like you know, even in really bad movies, like like um, uh, Night or Day or Night and Day, the one he's in with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> I went, with her. I went to to see that movie by myself, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing, like in the cinema, the weirdest cinema experience I've ever had. I'd say. I there's no judgment. I think that's a great one. God, I might watch that tonight. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like you can these people. They're like movie stars for a reason. They like they can bounce off people, and there's just like nothing in their scenes, and it's like oh my god, like the scene. Where- <laughs> 
there's such, there's such a weird cut where um where is he he's like tra- he's like training them or something and then it just cuts to they look at each other and then he's like they're on his bike all of a sudden and i'm like i don't understand where it is they were or where they went and now they're back at her house i don't know but um <laughs> but it's like that's shot like um the fucking nicholas sparks movie like where she leaves the door open and she's got this like first of all very nice house and a very cool car and a fucking yacht it's like this woman's doing well for herself um well she does own like a bar that well, seems to be the like, busiest just fucking printing money like, <laughs> also the fact that every time that somebody the, says something that is like disparaging towards women or the navy like big bills go fucking pints yeah fair enough actually yeah she's a fucking genius i want to know more like i would dig take another scene in that bar um i do actually like uh whenever he goes in to like be like i'm alive i made it back hey girl and she's like off on a trip with her daughter just like fuck you <laughs> i was like that's nice well done jennifer connelly um also jennifer connelly looking great have to say um i do have to i feel like the weakest section of the film for like a few different reasons is the whole sequence whenever he's in the bar and all the kids come into the bar I don't know if it's the layout of the bar is like weird I I feel like the banter between the kids takes a while to get going which was like annoying because fucking like Glenn Powell and Miles Teller are great and like they do bounce off each other really well later in the film there's just like there's something weird and awkward about that scene and then like oh holy fucking Jesus we have the worst flashback sequence (laughs) in the the history of mankind and I was like okay I know that the point is so that you know even if you haven't seen the original movie and it's that kind of movie you have to hammer home the fact that it's his son but Jesus Christ they have like <laughs> there's like a strobe effect at the f- oh god it's so bad and then also you have to say that the way the uh, goose dies in the original is pretty funny that he just like ejects into the canopy of the cockpit that's how he dies yeah oh my god because Maverick does like something uh, uh, like the plane fails but uh, like technically he shouldn't have put the plane in that position but at the same time it's the like it was a mechanical fault something that the plane should have been able to take so uh-huh. that's why he gets exonerated or any wrongdoing or whatever but he ejects and when the, the canopy like whenever you eject the canopy actually blows off and yeah. it didn't because of the way that the airplane was spinning or whatever like whenever a goose gets ejected he just flies straight into the canopy and oh. it is kind of um also because the sound effect if you watch the original one it's like it's like a crunch it just makes it funny <laughs> i don't know why like obviously if it was like a real person or whatever like oh be like oh shit or whatever but uh, <laughs> oh shit oh jesus Oh, did you get crushed? Oh, that's why. That's why it's bad for you. But like for all warm, but also like I think it makes it's it funnier the fact mad. that they don't. It's not done as a joke or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah the full is... Well, it'd be pretty fucking funny if they did it as a joke as well. Like that, <laughs> the film just like changes tone completely, and then like towards the end, Tom Cruise just runs off with Iceman. Um. I did, 
I did really love the <laughs> the fact that like he has Val Kilmer's character uh, in his phone just as ice. <laughs> so we're just, and I'm assuming that uh, Iceman has him in is just Mav, hundred yeah. percent because they all call him Mav. Um, and like they're just texting. There's so many like. <laughs> just scenes of them texting back and forth and like oh god but um that scene in is a way genuinely... that's quite realistic as well because that's yeah. why you'd be communicating especially like they they established that he, he's like uh, the, the really high up in the navy but mm. he's still just mates with maverick and just trying to help him so like they're not going through the official channels not ringing each other it's just like <laughs> hey what should i do mate whatever kind of thing you know just sending a wee WhatsApp. What's the crack? <laughs> I did find it hilarious whenever, like, as a part of like production design, whenever uh, Mav walks into Ice's house, and they just like you open the front door, and there's like a big table with loads of pictures of Hulk Kilmer as you walk in. Like the dude is still alive. Like, <laughs> why do you have a memorial for the chap as soon as you walk in the house? And you, you know, like those, he's like... standing there waiting for like Ice's. Uh, w- wife to show him where to go and I really like oh that scene yes whenever like even it's like what do you need and uh, he just points at the message that is like I want to talk about work and it's such mm. like a point and kind of moment Um, yeah I didn't know that about Val Kilmer at all he like I think he got diagnosed in like 2014 or something like he's had it a long time it's really sad yeah you can see him like have like even because he used to like he had it before they removed the the growth in his neck you could see him get it like really puffed up and people were thinking that he was doing fucking getting lots of botox in his face and stuff like that and it was just like the infection that he had Mm -hmm. but even in bad lieutenant port of call new orleans who he plays the biggest comeback in the history of cinema but like very funnily as well like uh that uh like he's already like you can already see the disease take effect like even back then well going back to the part of the bar i i do enjoy the bit like whenever like they carry him off it's quite funny the way that like he just goes kind of like solid so they can move him like a table almost you know because they just grab him by the arm you know whenever like uh uh, she kicks him out because uh, he doesn't have money to pay the tab oh yeah yeah. and they they just like throw him out like he's (laughs) just like we carried uh uh, carried like a chair or something because he just goes uh like pure solid it's quite wee i'm sure it'd be no bother for like studs like glenn powell to carry him out do you think that the 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 bit of uh, whenever you're um, talking about that scene? I think the the fact that everybody knows fucking um, the the song uh, was a fucking great balls oh, of fire, yeah. like in the generation, like today's generation. It's like fair enough for Miles Teller to do it, but I, the only argument against that, because I seen that as a massive criticism of this movie, the mm. only argument about that is that in the original movie, it was already kind of like who's into like Great Balls of Fire because there's already a 30 uh, year old song at that stage. Yeah. That knowing how the Navy and Marines and all these people operate in the sense of like 
fucking legacy and tradition or whatever mm. like that that it could be that it's like if you go to top gun that's the song that you're saying or whatever like uh, that's the only way to explain that scene because who the fuck <laughs> like you know i do like whatever um glenn powell did <laughs> someone puts on slow ride <laughs> Which is a great song. No arguments here. Um, but again, not not really a song that young people are like listening that, to that, today. That, that is just but... like he just walked out straight from uh, uh, Everybody Wants Some. And, uh... Uh, this is confused, yeah. Um, just like picturing a car turning into a car park. Uh, but I love where he just like paused at the end. He's like, I love the song. <laughs> so good. Uh, Glenn um, Powell is very, very good. And he has a lot of smirks. It's a... <laughs> does layers upon layers of smirks he's great i like seeing him as that kind of character because he's sort of like i don't know he tends to be a sort of a like charming rogue in a lot of things that this they sort of push it a little further where he's like genuinely like a detriment to them and i was like oh my god he's baby mav um but like just going back to the the flying scenes that is important have you read uh, that much about how they actually filmed them and stuff no, I didn't actually. The because obviously there was no way of like having a, a camera operator there and stuff like that. That the the actors had to learn cinematography because they were record they were like operating the camera themselves. Oh my so they'd be like talking to the pilot and go like, "Oh, the light is here, so we're gonna be turning the plane this way." So like my like I'm not like front lit. I want to be like side lit. But also, like, they had to kept, keep that consistent as they shot during the day because they'd be shooting during the whole day. So they had oh to God. understand in their heads which way the, the, the sun was coming from them. So, like, it'd be, it would edit to, together, you know? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, that's intense. Yeah, like... Maybe the, Tom Cruise really did save cinema. It's the, the bit that, like, it's the buy-in as well, because you know that Tom Cruise is, like, you know, fucking Insane. his own special effects company kind of thing. But all the <laughs> these other dudes getting getting in there, you know, like, and, and getting involved because, you know, there were rumors that Cruise was going to fly the jets himself, but... He's a pilot, isn't he? Like he's... Yeah, like the P-51 Mustang that is in the movie is his Mustang and he actually flies it at the end because he's insured to 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 fly it. But Jesus Christ, of course he did. Also, I totally forgot that obviously at all scenes where he's on a motorbike, he is indeed not wearing a helmet. Oh yeah, like the, that scene whenever, uh, whenever he parks up uh, in front of Jennifer Connelly's house after they've been in the motorcycle and they just parked there. Both times I watched it with Alex, she said the same comment at exactly the same moment. Uh, she said, well, she has to cut off her hair now because those fucking tangles you're not going to get rid of. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Particularly, what I'm imagining the speeds that Tom Cruise is driving that thing at. And yet she gets off looking perfectly like... You know, like it's like she just did tussled, her perfect kind of thing. Tussled beach curls. Uh, like she's got those fucking... What were those viral TikTok things that beat your hair curly? I don't yeah, know. But it, like in um, real life, she'd have like a, like a few bug strikes on her face. <laughs> like uh, she'd be like yeah. spitting because she like had a few fucking mosquitoes. Like... Oh. Uh, 
Maybe a cicada. Yeah, not in movie land, though. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do say that the um, the you really appreciate the practical effects in the flying scenes. Um, it's it's like because it it makes it so much more like stressful because like you can feel the like pressure in their chest and stuff like you you almost feel it hard to breathe whenever they're like oh you know it's like yeah it's quite stressful so it does mean that whatever you know they're doing the like insane climb out of the dip and it's like g-force 10 or whatever and it's like you know the planes are not built to withstand it and it's like oh i find that i'm glad that in the actual scene that they didn't linger on that too long because it was like really stressful. Um, it's like uh, Miles Teller and Glenn Powell mentioned in interviews that like there was like a certain competitiveness amongst the the, the actors that actually kind of worked for the movie in the sense of like how fit they were. So even between uh, takes, they just start like as soon as the director uh, shouted cut, they'd be like doing push-ups and stuff like that until like you had to uh, to act again. But also they did mention that it's not like part of it was being competitive and stuff like that. But they didn't shoot just the, the arrow scenes first. And you had to be incredibly fit to be able to pull G forces. Because if you pull more than four G four G in in a fighter jet or anywhere, um your the blood drains from your brain brain and you pass out. So you had to clench every muscle in your body to make sure that the the blood like moves at a normal speed, and the bit that is like the hardest to clench is your asshole. That if you don't <laughs> uh, clench that, you you go because you, like you have, actually have to clench literally everything. So that's why you see them not, not only just in pain, but you want like you're in pain because the imagine already like the weight of a like you feel like there's a weight of a car on top of you. And then on top of that, you're like actively pressing against it, let's say, or like making every inch of your body hurt on purpose. And all you your brain wants to do is to relax and you, you can't let it. And whenever you're doing that, but also that you have to time it. That's why like is the hardest thing about modern fighter jet flying or whatever that if you go like uh, as they do in this movie doing like a left banking turn and then a right banking turn it's much harder because you're you have a gap in between that you're not pulling any g-forces so you have oh to God. go like you have to like clench unclench clench and well like if you have the pull up whenever they pull the the seven g's uh whenever they they're just pulling up it's a constant push against your body you know like uh but Oh man, that's well. Like whenever they go over the lip, and like the the air anti aircraft fire starts going, and they just start fucking flying left, right, and center. Oh, this is so stressful. Any uh, closing thoughts before or? Not that I'm very very glad. I I don't know. Uh, I would have been able to respect you as a film fan <laughs> no, if you didn't I, like this movie. I had so much fun. Like when it ended, I was just like. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's so much fun. Genuinely. I get people that are not that don't like the movie as much as I do. Mm. But I don't think that anybody that understands movies. No, anybody that has seen a movie <laughs> should like this movie. That that's how like No, like there are other there are other reasons. I mean, like if you just don't like Tom Cruise 
Like that's fair. No, no, there are people you can't. Who... You can, like to be honest, like even if you don't like Tom Cruise, if you don't like Tom Cruise as an individual, as in real life, that's fair enough. But you can't say that he's yeah. not a good like for this kind of movie. Objectively, he is the best action movie actor or whatever because he also makes his characters like it's not like tom cruise in this movie you know like it's maverick the same way mm. whenever he is like mission impossible he might look exactly the same with the same haircut and everything else and you know that he is not even though like they're both like the you know mavericks you could say um mm-hmm. They're both like guys that don't play by the rules and they go against the orders and they do this and that. But they're um, their personas are completely different and what makes them do what they do. Like Maverick to a certain degree is very, very, very uh, because the first movie is about how he wants to live up to what his father did in the Navy Mm -hmm. as well. So he just wants to and he hates his father. So it's kind of like why this movie does very well uh especially as a like what they say legacy sequels and stuff like that the like actually deals with the idea of legacy much better than other movies did like creed 2 creed 1 is a good example of how to do that as well the but i think that um overall like it's it's just such an enjoyable movie i can't understand how it's not 100% in rotten tomatoes because I can understand well, whenever like they it's... don't get five stars, but like three stars at least you'd give this movie. Like they're like just on a technical level, like the technical way that the, the screenplay just takes along. The pacing is great. The music, it's like Hans Zimmer of the 90s rather than like fucking modern Zimmer. Like there's no horns. Yes. There's no like fucking yes. crazy fucking. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to put it through fucking AI and then pretend that I wrote it or whatever. Because like. I love Dune as a movie, but like the soundtrack is shite. But like, um, <laughs> yeah, but like uh, that's my final thoughts. Anyways, uh, I, I I do particularly enjoy it. I when I watched it in the in the cinema the first time, I was uh, late because it was a big queue to get popcorn, and um, <laughs> I came in whenever he's already on the mission like uh to do mach 10 and it's like i lost 10 minutes of the movie and it's like it's kind of movie that you know whenever you, you there was no netflix there was no like fucking the, the the closest thing that you could use to plan your watch experience was either the rtae guide or like the fucking uh teletext yeah. um, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I finished watching the TV show that I wanted to watch or the movie that I wanted to watch, what I'm watching next. And then there's a movie that started half an hour ago. And a lot of the time you're like, uh, I didn't understand this movie because it lost the first half a, half hour. Like this movie is that kind of movie that was designed for that. that you <laughs> jump in any time in this movie, like any stage, even the last half an hour, you know exactly what's happening. It's like you, you don't need to do any your brain can shut off for two and a half hours it's the most relaxing watch that you can have because like you said you you watch it you come out you just want to like join the 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 u.s navy and you Mm -hmm. feel good about yourself and about american jigoism any final thoughts um no i had a very good time Uh, (laughs) um there's a great 
very highly rated negative letterbox review um, that that ends with Top Gun Maverick is a 131 long advertisement for death aggressively unoriginal widely irresponsible with its messaging historically revisionist and shamelessly jingoistic in the name of providing full issue to arms dealers this is a masterwork of propaganda in defense of some of our nation's worst traits it's an enormous success I left the theater depressed and forlorn (laughs) I would say that I agree oh. with uh, all the statements Should on that I movie Brett? and give it five stars. <laughs> the, he's that's like the, he's the not thing. incorrect in, the, in his assessment of how like um, it's uh, seldom do I come across a movie that I'm so ideologically against. But like I just like it. It's just such a good movie. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Favorite thing is the script. I think. like i said everything else is like it's great don't get me wrong special effects are unbelievable the cast is great like john ham fucking like you know like everybody does their job impeccably ed harris looking very old good god (laughs) jesus but i think that like the script is just like across the board in every scene both you know how there's um in editing, there's a concept of like uh, uh, temporal and uh, of macro and micro editing that you have a film editor needs to be good at like how to shape the story of a movie, but also how mm. to do the the beat by beat of a scene kind of thing to make like the scene work individually as well. So you're going from actually the, the individual cut to the the overall pacing of the movie. And I think that the the script in a similar fashion is, is able to do both the beat by beat, scene by scene, line by line. It works, but also works as uh, uh, like in the in the greater sense. It does a lot of work to create a, a stable platform for the movie to operate from, because you can have all the special effects and all the practical scenes uh, that you want but without giving a shit about the characters you you're not gonna care you know like and also mm-hmm. that the movie does a good job of you know we know where everything is going we talk a lot about in this podcast sometimes about like being manipulated and stuff and the, you only annoyed about being manipulated whenever you notice that you're being manipulated and in this movie mm-hmm. is um, you know exactly that is like oh yeah you're getting you're getting your character to oh he thinks too much so there's gonna be a scene where he thinks doesn't think at all like and then in this movie not only they have that scene which is a payoff but then you have a joke payoff afterwards whenever tom cruise goes to Miles Teller, what were you thinking he goes but you told me not to think (laughs) so like it has a lot of levels let's say as a screenplay that it's far better than it needs to be. This is still would have been a good movie without such a good script. So, like, I think that's what it elevates the uh, elevates the movie over like a lot of other movies of this genre of this type. The only bit that I miss of the original is that there's nowhere near the amount of like homosexual uh, like uh, sorry homoeroticism. It's yeah. true. The, the homoeroticism on the first because it's not just a volleyball scene it's like throughout the entire movie that there's like even like they'll be talking about having erections to each other and stuff like like 
completely for no reason like straight men do yeah um yeah it is very sanitized this one everything's very like even the you know it's all got all the edges are cleaned off which is kind of like you do miss it that you know like that's saying that there definitely isn't chemistry between glenn powell and miles teller but i think they probably could have had a few more interactions with their faces were really close together uh i i, I do like as well as a final note uh how they handle the character of bob the like you oh, think he's yeah, gonna be bob. dealt as a joke or whatever but everybody's like well he's here for a reason so well, we'll he just mans make the fucking lasers <laughs> yeah like they just make fun of him as like as a person rather like the like professionally they never doubt that he's good you know yeah. like uh, and i do like the joke whenever like uh uh glenn powell doesn't realize that he's there he goes like oh he must be a stealth pilot <laughs> that is such a good joke what was your favorite thing okay i think my favorite thing is um tom cruise running because <laughs> oh and they make you wait for it that's the only bit that they're like withholding. not true not true we actually get some quite excellent touchdown running it's not like a very close shot or anything but you just see it where he's like (laughs) that's so good but the ultimate shot is him running through like the snowy forest that that whole that whole section (laughs) when he's been shot down is grand rooster is shot down is grand and they're both just like okay we're grand what night let's just steal a plane okay <laughs> like it lasts about like six minutes or something like between them being shot down nobody knowing what's going on and then them being fine and rescuing themselves i mean but at the same time they they go through enough stress before glenn powell appears uh, what does he say as well where he like appears to the clouds he's like uh, Miles Tyler's like how are you doing and he's like I'm fucking fabulous <laughs> or something like that I love Glenn Powell uh, that man is just a charisma machine um, so yeah but yeah god he's just I mean is it in his contract that he has to run I, I don't know I hope so um, I don't think that so, it's yeah. in his contract but no director in their right mind would not use his run like why would you you know it's like fucking getting pele and not getting him to kick a ball or whatever like you know fucking. it's like it's second only to spears running in band of brothers uh do you have a least favorite thing like i suppose the way that they handle the flashback as well because it is completely unnecessary like uh uh, I'm very glad that they don't do the same thing with uh, Val Kilmer's character that, that there's no like explanation so whatever you just get it that they're you know best mates or whatever that they have and, like, you you have the picture of them like being together saying hi or whatever whenever they come back from the, the, the original mission yeah uh, did you say your least favorite thing oh no um oh I, th- I think it's like I don't want to say Jennifer Connelly because I think she's good. It's just it's a it's a shame that they don't have more chemistry because it would have made that section even better because she is given quite a lot character wise and you know her relationship with her daughter is good and you know it would have just been like a little icing on the cake of that scene of those scenes. Um, but she does look like a badass when she's driving that boat. So yeah, I had a great time. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Tom Cruise, thank you for all you've done for cinema um, and for 
just entertainment in general by telling people to turn off uh, motion smoothing on their televisions. <laughs> Such a weird guy. Um, yeah, uh, if they want to go all the way back to 2016 and, uh, Jesus, and um, <laughs> listen to our, um, our Born the Fourth of July episode, uh, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on Twitter at The Rack Game, on Facebook, The Recommendation Game. Uh, the email is the recommendation game at gmail.com. Our back episodes are on Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and Spotify and your other podcasters of choice. And um, we're on Dublin Digital Radio uh, every Monday, 11 to 12. Sorry, every second Monday, 11 to 12. Mm. And next week's film is chosen by Orla, which is. Um, I've forgotten the fucking name of the film. Afterlife. <laughs> Afterlife from 1998. Not the one with Liam Neeson, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, until then, I was Orla Mathenis. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.